sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. And welcome, folks. Friday, Dublin South FM Business Eye with myself and my very good friend and co-host, Simon Haig. Simon, I'm tired. I'm weary today. I I need more than I need more than a hug. I need I need someone to remove our, our government. And a lot of people, as you know, have been very scared and have been very fearful about the rules that they have just brought out, you know, trying to segregate uh, people of, the, of this country. What's your thoughts on it? What's your thoughts? I, I think I'd go further and say that for the first time since this started, the Irish population is predominantly angry and pretty much overnight to the shock of the nation, the government here have, uh, have pushed back the opening of hospitality, indoor dining and announced what I would say is a bit of a harebrained scheme to say that we have to we have to have digital passports to eat inside our restaurants, right? And when you think about it, our the people serving in our restaurants are the young population, right? They they don't have any passports. They're working in there, but they're not vaccinated because the government's being you know very slow in getting well. But the younger population haven't been vaccinated, so we've got a crazy situation where a young population can serve us. And also the government now turning around and saying, well, we need time to consider a scheme. They've had a year and a half, Joe. So I, I honestly think, at, this is just my opinion, at best there's incompetence, at worst there's something much more sinister. Well, well Simon, it's the great divide that they've, that they've created there where people, not even young people, people who choose not to be vaccinated and people who choose to be vaccinated and they're trying to create that divide. And the other thing as well is it can't happen because of human rights, because of a statute books, none of this can happen. But the government are trying to do it to force people who haven't to get them down to get vaccinated because they can't go for a pub or go for, you know, for a meal. But what I've noticed from it, observing it, is it's no longer about COVID. That's the thing. Like just people doing this because they want to eat or drink or go on holiday. It's no longer about virus. It's more about manipulation and control. And as mm. speaking to people over the last one or two days who have actually said to me, our government now and our, our health advisory board are dangerous. They have lost control and they are dangerous and they need to be stopped. And that's what people are saying. So we just have to watch this space because I use an example of World War Two. You know, we had Stalin, Mussolini, we had Hitler, and then there was Mao and all these. And these are all these collective of people in a certain period. And they all caused major disruption and killed millions of people. All in a certain period. You know, we're entering into another period. So madmen are always there. Hitler and his book, right? Have you read um, Schwab's book? And there's stuffs in Schwab's book that will we look at in 10 years time and go, this man was a madman, a madman. Mm. You know, so I think people have to really step back and look what's going on. Forget about COVID, forget about, you know, the virus. Look at the manipulation and control that's going on because it's escalating. It is truly escalating. I, I think, I think you know, you and I are positive optimists and so let's look at this in that way. And I think we just need to ask more questions. I mean, two questions I would ask, and I've not actually heard them asked really, is number one, Ireland is the only country out of 27 in the EU where you cannot eat a meal inside, right? So my question is, why? That's number one, why? And the second question is, as of today, Ireland is the only country in the EU where you cannot travel freely on flights because the rest of the EU is, have, have, have passed this digital certificate thing and Ireland hasn't. My question is, why? I just asked those two questions. I've not heard anybody ask those questions or answer them. Well, I would ask one question. Please allow us to see your risk assessment analysis. Let us have a look at that. That's the one thing. But we could ask these questions all day. They're not being answered. And I've always said, if people don't answer questions, they're hiding something. But anyway, that's our, that's our Let's COVID, move on to COVID talk. Cheery stuff. Simon, 
it is it's you've moved um so you're in your yeah. your lovely new pad i'll be rolling up pad, for yeah. that lovely coffee if you can find a coffee machine that's it it's in here somewhere joe yeah. our guest today our guest today is someone you you and i know well and uh he's a wonderful man um uh by the name of scott ballard he is a coach a speaker and author um He's referred to as the confidence coach, and I can vouch for this. He, he's done amazing stuff with me, and and I would not hesitate recommending Scott to to anybody who wants to match what I call match their confidence with the capability. His work is seen on, you know, channels like NBC, ABC, Fox, CBS. Um, he he does this work by asking deep questions, really provoking you to align your mindset and your psyche and your soul to, to become a better version of you. And I hope I'm putting that the right way, Scott. Welcome. Welcome, yeah. Scott. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on my second home, Ireland. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's great to be here and uh, looking forward to this this morning. This will be great. Yeah, okay. this will be good. It's funny, Scott, when we spoke, my God, 2019, I think it was, um, you know, we always said, Jesus, when you come over, you know, we'll visit and then stranger things happened on it. But just following on, you were listening to myself and Simon there. And I want to try and take the direction here as for business owners to, about great leadership and truth, mm -hmm. speaking the truth. And I think that's very important. I think a lot of people do things for the sake of doing it to either be people pleasers or just to not, you know, not rock the boat when sometimes you have to step out and speak the truth. But if you speak the truth, it may cause you a great anxiety within side. So how do people deal about if speaking the truth and then dealing with that anxiety from being openly open in their conversation? Yeah, it's a great question. So um it's an interesting conversation to listen to you too because i know you both so um thank you for that it's a great setup so so i think you know it's interesting um that i think it really comes down to um truth begins with being truthful with ourselves. leadership begins with leading myself first and um, you know that's where this whole conversation begins. So if I'm not truthful with myself, if I can't look in the mirror, you know, be truthful about where I'm at, what I'm doing, the decisions, the choices, the things that I'm I'm doing in my own old personal life, then, then how can I be truthful and how can I lead people um, out there? Uh, whether that be in my company, my family, in the country, you're talking about leadership in Ireland and uh, transparency and authentic transparency about this whole thing that's happening there uh, as of today. And, and so um, that's where I, I start and that's where I work with people is being honest. Um, but if you're going to be honest, you have to first start with asking the right questions and then not settling for just the road answer, but what's the real answer? What's the real why? Um, why are why is this in the way or why what's what's happening here? So so truth is not easy and it takes effort and it takes digging and and as simultaneously, it takes commitment and courage. We have to have courage first, then commitment, and then we can see make choices to actually live out our truth, right? Yeah. And why we struggle with politicians, not to jump on the bandwagon, but why we struggle is because the three of us listen to them talk, but their actions, you don't have to be a coach or a therapist or anybody to figure this out. Their actions don't match up with all the words. And then we, you know, we're like, well, that's not true. Or, or you're hiding something. Um, I just want to have a conversation with them one-on-one. -on -one. So if you guys could hook it up for me to, to, to have a conversation with your top three or four leaders one-on-one, -on -one, I think I think we could get to some truth. I don't think it would take a long time. I think you need to get to the back of the end of the queue there for, for that one. <laughs> but you know, it's few, interesting. There, it's there'll be a few people in front of you with, with uh, boxing gloves on. So, on that. Sorry, Simon, go on. It's interesting. 
It's interesting. I mean, do politicians realize that we most of us think they're being dishonest? And if they don't realize it, they're out of touch. And if they do realize it, why don't they do something about it? And then my next question is, maybe they don't because they'd be out of a job if they were honest. But anyway, do, anyway. Do they care? Scott, Scott, uh, <laughs> Scott you, you had an amazing journey. And I don't know, we haven't teed this up to, to the listeners here, but but I don't know whether you, how much you're prepared to share about your early days, because I think, you know, I know about it and I think it's to the extent you're willing to do so. I think it really opens up why you're doing what you're doing today. And of course there was an intervening period like all of us where we lose touch with ourselves and you got wrapped up into capitalism and I did and Joe did, but, but I think you've come back to that child. And I mean that in the best way. Do you mind sharing a little about your earlier experiences? I'll, I'll make so Simon cut me off if I go too long in this, but so it actually did start then. I mean, uh, Joe, um, yeah, you know, I, I've explained this to Simon. So, so I I was born in a very rural setting. I have great parents, siblings, perfect uh, small child experience, and then and then we had um, here in the states we had you know you go to primary school. And I went to primary school. I was super excited because I I loved people. I loved the kids. Um, I, I was excited about it. But a couple of months into it, I realized really quickly I was not learning like the other kids. Like I was not, you know, uh, learning to read. And it just wasn't happening for me. And I would watch the other kids and I'd go, what's wrong with me? And then a couple of months into it, uh, um, in the little small town I grew up in, the teacher, my first grade teacher, actually came to my parents' house, um, kind of kind of like a debrief, like, okay, this is how your child is doing. And I remember her saying that he's got to try harder, he's got to work harder. And um, I was like, man, I, I think I'm giving it all my effort. But my parents were very strict. And so... You know, they they sat me down and said, "You've got to put pour more in." I did. It got worse. It got worse. Um, my my teacher finally took my desk. Now I'm seven years old. Took my desk, sat it in the corner, and said, "You're stupid. You're a dunce, and you'll never be anything." Okay, this is where my work began. I believed her because she said, "That's who I am." Okay, that's super powerful. I believe somebody of authority to say that that's who I am and that's my destiny. That's my future, right? And so at that moment, that's that's what happened. At that moment, I became suicidal. At that moment, I ran away from home. At that moment, I had all these terrible feelings about myself. But the odd thing was, I could then turn my focus almost like dreaming to get away from the pain. And I could look at Joe out on the playground playing football. And I could say, man, Joe is fantastic at football or Joe is great at reading. I could see the abilities in the genius in people, but I couldn't see it myself. So I developed this superpower, this muscle to uncover and point out and bring out and draw out the superpower and others, but I couldn't do it for myself. I couldn't do it for myself. And so that gets back to the truth that you guys were talking about earlier. It's interesting. You know, the three of us, we could have this conversation all day long for the rest of the world and they would be bored and we'd be happy about it. <laughs> but, 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 you know, this conversation about truth, I was living in a lie. Right. And, and, uh, I didn't know what the truth was about myself, but I knew it in other people. And so through time, I've been able to find my own truth. But but Simon's right. Now, the last 10 years, my work, my job, my passion, I haven't worked, I just working with people is to help them just get rid of the lie and exchange it for the truth of who they really are. Right. And so this is this is what Simon's referring to. This is my journey. I'm, I'm trying to make it short and quick, but, 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 but it all started back then. Scott, it's interesting because the one thing that I'm seeing in the world today, like we have, we, we have all spoken about 
you know, t- ripping back the onion peels and finding out who we really are. And, and everybody, you know, lives some sort of lie. And that lie comes from an early, early stage and those words that we were told, you know. And, but I'm learning now that it goes deeper a lot deeper than an onion. And I think when people talk about that part, they're only really at the top of, or at the bottom of it, whatever way. And it really gets into a part of the, when you see that everything around you is a lie. You know, everything, when we walk out into the world, it's all fictitious. That's what I'm really learning. And the only way that you can really be yourself is when you make the decision, I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to do no harm on anybody either. And when you have the two of them together and you then, you have your own consequences of what you're doing, but in the good, everything then just falls apart. It all just, it, it has, it loses its power over you. You can call it the matrix or call it whatever you want in this world. It loses its power because you, you are, you then discover. I get another shot at this, you know, I have another shot at this and I can make my life right. Is that what you're talking about, Scott? Yeah, yeah, I am. And and I, and I love Joe, the, the statement there that it's, it's my truth, but it's not a weapon to then attack you or to put you down or or whatever, right? And so as as I get closer to my truth, as I get tr- closer to living out the truth, my true I call it my true identity, I actually become a person that um wants to and creates other people and helps other people live into their truth. So I'm not looking at their lie, I'm looking for their truth which is a whole different conversation that I have with leaders, uh, particularly in business, but that I have. So that's what I'm seeking. So it's like a a missile seeking something. I'm seeking the best in them, the best version. I was on with a client last night. I'm seeking the best version for him um, to be who he wants to be. And it's not just one lane. It's his whole life, right? And so because I'm operating from that, that's my motivation. And I'm not um, using it the way, and we were talking earlier about politicians, they're using it for their own power. We're saying, no, the power really is in finding the good in you. So Scott, Scott, I'd have a couple of, well, I'll start with one thing. So when, when you're working with a business owner, let's say a business owner and you know, when you're in business for yourself, you kind of make your own truth, right? And, you know, it's like it's like there are two choices. You can either take the deluded route or you can take the route that's the right aligned route for your business. But nobody teaches you this stuff. You've got to figure it out. When you have a client who's at the, that, that, that point in the pitchfork and they could either go this way or that way, what kind of things is it? Is it how, how could you describe what kind of things would you do to help them make sure they take the non-deluded route, the right route? What, what kind of things would you be suggesting to them to look at to make sure they're being honest with themselves in their continuing business journey? Yeah, so, you know, a statement that I use all the time, guys, is thinking about your thinking. And what, what, is, the, what is the origin of that thought? So if you give a scenario and you're you're deciding uh, making a decision in your business, what what where is that based out of? What's the thought that that's based out of? And is that attached to the truth of who you are, or is that attached to a lie in some way? Right. And so that's where that's where we begin to work, you know. And it's not you know people ask me this all the time, Simon. And I I, I refer to you. It's not a rote thing. I I come at this and I'm an, I'm open. I'm like okay, so so we're trying to get to through. So so it's it's generally a series of questions and thought, but but that's how we measure that out, right? And so that's why it's so important that I can look in the mirror this morning and go, okay, am I living in my best identity? Am I living out my truth? Am I actually going out there and making a positive deposit? 
and the people that I'll be talking with around the world today. Am I, am I moving towards that or am I moving towards something selfish, which is always attached to a lie? I don't know if that answers your question. No, but it does. No, it, it makes yeah, sense. It's, it's, it, it's, I'm thinking it when you're, when you're saying that and it's, it's a, for me, that's, you know, for me, it's my turn to talk. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, for myself, it's trust again, going back to do what I'm about to say or the way I'm about to act. Mm. Is it going to be right? Or am I going to be like you when you were a small child? Am I going to be ridiculed? And I think there, that's and where Simon was saying, taking those different paths. And, you know, I call it, you know, crossing the Rubicon, that once you cross that river, mm-hmm. it all changes. And the only thing that's holding us back is our subconscious mind of something that happened to us in the past, which knocked us. And you have to, I think you have to really go back to where we were talking in the beginning is going back to that child and finding out when it, what was it that held you back? Who were you with? And where was it? And if you quiet your mind, you'll actually, that the subconscious will come back up out of the subconscious and you can act on it. But even though you've discovered it, I think you then need to hold someone's hand to help you across that river. Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. You can't see it here, but I have this poster board that is actually a script to help to, to talk people back to their first memory of the lie. And it's, it's actually 11 questions. And I actually do this with clients. And it is so powerful. And we don't realize that our childhood, our first memories, so mold our identity. And we're still doing things today. And Simon brought me back to being seven years old. I still do things today because of what happened at seven and eight. um, Because I'm still working on um, unwrapping that, so to speak and um, dealing with that at, at the age of 61. I'm still terrified of nuns because one of the nuns at my convent school said to me something that I didn't like when I was seven, so I still have to think <laughs> about nuns. Um, Scott, Scott, so in terms of, you know, what is it, why is it that we we kind of lose it at a certain point in our life, that we, you know, you be, you you ended up in a, you know, in a tough place with, with, with business and stuff, and I know Joe has had gone through stuff, and I've definitely been that. What is it inside us that, it, do we only get this when we've been through a crisis? Do we need to have a crisis to get this? Or or is it possible for people to get this and have a nice, simple life all the way through? Maybe describe that process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it, it really comes back to identity. So is the crisis really the worst thing or is it the making of me? My life story is, is the problem actually is the way forward. It is the making of who I am. So I don't want to miss the problem. I want to go in there and I want to find the good stuff, meaning that the gift really is found in that. I, I, I found my truth in life, my identity, who I am really not in the best of times. Yeah. But at the bottom of times, when I was seven, when when uh, you know when we had the biggest lawsuit in the industry and we lost and everybody said you're going to win you can't lose and you know we we lost you know all these setbacks we had eleven business failures in my twenties and thirties eleven in a row my dear wife she 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 would say after everyone what did we learn and what are we going to do next she had so much belief but I didn't but but in that I I learned resilience in that I learned who I was. Um, we, we don't usually get better when we're winning or when we're having, quote unquote, this unfathomable success. I love that. I, I think I, just paraphrasing back, I think you said we find the true version of ourselves when we're at the bottom. And that resonates with me, Scott. You know, I, I reached a pretty horrendous place 11 years ago. And looking back, I've never thought about this, really, given what you said. Um, 
looking back when I was at that worst place where I was stripped naked of pretty much everything metaphorically mm -hmm. and looking back I was very humble I was uh, I was I was I was full of hope I wanted to be honest and so that must be the real me that's what you're kind of saying you know yeah. <laughs> I'll ask both of you this question then, and I'm sure some of our listeners are asking this question. Um, when do you realize that you are faking or life isn't going right for you? And when do you know life is going right for you? You go first, Scott. <laughs> okay, so... That's uh, a great question, by the way. That's a fantastic question. Yeah. So, uh, so here's here's my belief on that: is that when we're alone and still, and 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 in a quiet place, and no distractions, no computer, no phone, no whatever, wherever that is, it could be three fifteen a.m. in the morning when you wake up. That that's when you know. That's going to say because, because the world. The world doesn't want us to know. So the world throws distraction at us 24-7, 365, mm. right? So that 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 would be my – yeah, that's a great – I love that question. That's, that's, that's uncanny because I was going to say something very similar, Joe. I know when I've had a good, honest, honorable day because I tend to – not always, but nine times out of ten, I tend to sleep well and deeply. If I've had a day where I feel I haven't been the best version of me – or maybe I've been a bit dishonest. I don't, I wake up at three o'clock. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The, the question, does it matter? You know, that's, that's really, if I think, because it's a journey and as, but as you said, Scott, as well, and so you've had your good days and your bad, and we learn from all those bad experience. Does it really matter? You know, once you, are kind of striving towards be the better, better person that you are. And I think a lot of people, uh, Simon, we, we went for a nice walk. Uh, we had a business yeah. meeting there and we went for a nice walk. And the one thing we, you know, we said, you know, we all, what is people's life purpose? And we said this last week as well. I wonder if there is no life purpose. It's just, you're here just to figure out to be you and the real you before you were seven and had that mess in school or before you know, someone in 20 said something to you or in your 30s or 40s. It's just to be you and not care about any, any of that. And I think that's the hardest thing. I think we've been conditioned to care about what other people think. And it's only that real, true enlightenment of when we figure out, you know, I'm just me. You know, I'm not going to be the billionaire. I'm not going to be the fastest car driver. I'm not going to be the man on the moon. I'm just going to be me. And I think when you realize that, I think everything just falls apart for the right reason. And then you, 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 you do see the, you do see the path on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Scott, That's, Scott, why, why do you think people maybe in their twenties, it happened to me and I know it did to Joe, they lose sight of this. It's around that time and you get wrapped up in the whole capitalist thing and, uh, and that all kind of it kind of detract distracts you from that honest childhood and the more honest version of you. What, why do you think that happens to us? We fall into that trap. Not all of us, but many of us. Why do you think that happens? Yeah, I, I think we misplace our identity. Yeah, you know, because you know, you come out of the school system, you go into the world, and everybody is telling you, and everything is telling you that your identity is in the success of your business, your career, your what, like that's who you are. And you're young, you have no experience. You, you probably don't have anybody in your life to actually ask you the questions around that. So you pursue that for, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it may be. Um, and, and that, you know, I went down that road. I mean, I, I was there. I, I, I can relate to those people I, I think it's timing. I think it's, you know, you, you get out of school. School does not prepare you for that onslaught, right? And I think that's part of it. Isn't it yeah. movies influences, yeah. the yes. music influences? You know, when I was growing up, it was Wall Street and, you know, yeah. dog eat dog. And you kind of look at these people. And 
you were let you you know you were brainwashed or it was propaganda to Amardi's people, you know, yeah. because yeah. you've seen the the material goods that they had. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's every generation. I think as you get older, in our forties, in our fifties, and then into our sixties, I think you sort of get wiser and you know, as I say, the closer you get to heaven, you know, as the age, you come a bit more spiritual as well. Yeah. And, and you know, what's that saying? Um, you know, youth is wasted on the young, you know? So, yeah. Scott, Scott, I'm going to ask you a question. Somebody asked me at a live event a couple of months ago and I thank, thank goodness I didn't think about it. I honestly quickly, but are you happy, Scott? Would you say you're happy? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, my wife, and myself, we're do, we're doing a book club right now on a book called Happiness, and uh, you know, I w- I would answer that as yes, but I would also put an asterisk by it and say that that's a work in progress. <laughs> right. I I do want to interject something else to what Joe was just saying, also Simon, and that is that the loneliest people that I know are these um, business leaders, Um, you know, and, and it's very interesting because they're still trapped in that that is their identity. Um, And so, you know, there's that, that group that they have never let that go, Joe, they're in their sixties now and they're calling me and I'm I'm working with them. And, and they're the loneliest people I've ever met or known or worked with in my whole life. It's, wow. a, it's, it's very, very fascinating. So, but to answer your questions, I mean, happiness, yes. Um, the pursuit of it, yes. Um, the figuring out of it, yes. But as you know, Simon, um, questions. And where does our happiness come from? What does it look like? How does it show up in our life? But I really feel uh, for both, I really feel for my work that I'm doing, particularly now in the last couple of years, it's critically important that I am working very hard and really focused on um, learning and uh, being happy in the truest sense of the word, not, not not the social media happy, but When I'm by myself this morning at 4 a.m., am I happy to sit there, drink my tea, do some reading, journal? Like, is can I be happy in that spot as well as talking to a Fortune 100 leader? And which am I more happy in? That's a really fascinating question for Mm. me. Mm. It used to be with that leader, and it's transitioning now to where. It might be sitting and having my granddaughter on my lap and reading a book to her. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I like my own solitude. I, you know, yeah. I, I like sitting in the garden and feeling the sun on my face with a coffee in my hand and yeah. just pondering. That's yeah. really where I find the beauty in nature, the beauty in the world. You know, when, when you know, we, we've all come so digital. And yeah. when you step away from that, and let's go back to analog, you know, nature, you know, the universe, everything, and just sit with a coffee. That's 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 that there for me is better than flying to some holiday or going out, you know, and anything else, you know, far away distance of camel rides and plane jumping out of planes. That there, just sitting with a coffee in my hand in nature, green sun, everything. That's, that's, that's it for me. I agree. I'll I'll own up to something on radio as well. One of my favorite little moments, and I did it today is when I get 15, 20 minutes, I'll just, and I'm on a chore, I'm out in my car, I'll stop, pull over and I'll make sure I pull over by a park where there are dogs, right? I'm just saying this publicly. And I just love watch sit in my car, watching dogs play for 15 minutes. I don't think I've ever shared that with anybody. I just love watching dogs play. I just find it there's unconditional happiness and joy there. I've said it. It's yeah. Okay. That's it. And there's one thing I, I maybe both you can help me with here. And I've heard it so many times that 
a lot of CEO, CEOs out there, you know, feel alone in their organization. And I've never really experienced that. Or if I have, it's been so long ago, it doesn't affect me anymore. So I, I've lost that. That are there people out there that are so alone in their organization that they're screaming for help? Or is that just everyone just hoping that there's CEOs out there alone and screaming for help for, so they can get their business? I think it's real. And Scott can validate this, but you know, I've been there. I was a CEO in Australia and it is very painfully lonely because the only people above you are the board watching everything you do. Everybody below you is watching everything you do. And unless you're lucky and I have lucky enough to have a mentor like Scott externally, you're very alone. So yeah, yeah from my experience it is, but Scott it sounds to me like it's pretty common. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's universal. I, I don't, I, you know, I, when I have these conversations, I, I'm not surprised anymore. Um, and so I, I actually ask questions about like, do you feel alone? Do you feel, you know, who do you talk to? And it goes sideways. You know, who do you, what, what's out? And they go, well, there's nobody. That's why I'm talking to you now. Like there's nobody, I have a million employees and I'm calling you from the private jet because I don't know what to do. I, I, it looks like the board wants me to lay off a hundred thousand people today. And I don't have anybody to talk to that doesn't have an agenda, which is um, their own agenda and not what's best for everybody. So I'm calling you. Yeah. That's an everyday conversation that I, you know, just sitting here talking with you guys is being fully transparent. I, I'm just going through all people that have said that in their own way, but they're saying all the same thing. And, you know, there's nothing more torturous for a human to feel disconnected like that. That, that is very painful and no amount of money or things or status uh, compensates for for that in their life. It does. It does. There's nothing. So. Yes, and oh, I agree. Look, we've we've got a a couple of minutes left on it, but I think it's it's our journey. I think it's for three of us who are business consultants and have walked a walk, have gone through many ups and downs and on many roller coasters. That it gets down to the very end about trusting your own decision and being a better better decision maker. And looking at everything. And yeah, we all need coaches and we all need mentors and we need people who who are on our side who are not within the company, as you said, have a vested interest in it. And I think by talking to people helps ourselves find out our own answers. I think that's really what it is. You know, and mm. and it's talking to people who are willing to listen to what you have to say without judgment. I think that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Joe, I have a, a statement. I, I used it with Simon and, and, and when we were talking, I didn't use it, but I, I said it to him. I said, listening is loving. Mm. Powerful listening is the, is the greatest service I do. People say, well, you know, it's all about the questions. And I go, actually the most powerful moments with my clients are when I'm deeply listening and they have an insight or a breakthrough, and that's what they needed, right? They needed that on the deepest level. And so, yeah, I, I think that's listening is loving, and love is the answer in all relationships, always. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I, I, if I don't love myself... If I can't start to take the journey, I call it the journey to loving myself, accepting myself where I'm at, true identity, then then I don't have anything to pour out to others and to love them. Yeah. So that's why the happiness journey, Simon, is so important for me because I want to love people and serve them, but I also want to be happy so that they can start to have that happiness because ultimately everybody does everything in order that they can be happier. Everybody does every decision thinking that it's going to make them happier. It's true. 
It's true. Uh, even in the worst situations, you know, in addiction, at that point, people believe that by continuing on, it, you know, it's going to make them happy. It doesn't. You know, they've they've been caught by the neck. But you're right. Everything, we do everything with a view to but finding true happiness requires real deep intentionality. It requires real work, doesn't it? It's not it's not lazy work, Scott. And that's the work you do. It's that's commitment it. and it's courage, you know. And that, it's yeah. wonderful to partner with somebody and and build that trust and be able to see them um, experience that. Yeah. You know, and 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 I love that. I my my thought really is, guys, is that I've just begun my career today. All, all that's happened in my life to now has been practice and preparation, so that now I may serve people in such a powerful way that they will never forget the conversation I had with them. Mm-hmm. The last what I the- hope to do. 40 years here it is this is what i say to myself you know when i when i turned 50 i said the last 50 years was an apprenticeship of figuring out life and the next 50 years now (laughs) is my career yeah 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 joe that's awesome i love it yeah yeah scott if people want to catch you um Scott, if, you know, we're, we're going to take a quick break here uh, and then we're going to have our business showcase come on in the second part of the show. So, Scott, I'd like to thank you coming on to Business High, Business Eye here at Dublin South FM. And I know if people want to reach out to you, they can reach out to you, uh, Scott Ballard at, in LinkedIn um, and they can have a conversation with you as well. So and for our guests and, and for all our audience as well, uh, myself and Simon, if you want to connect with ourselves, it's businesseyeadvisory.com, uh, where we will continue on um, having conversations like this and sharing the world, the world of business and love. Business and love. That's it. Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Well, Simon, back to our second half of Business Eye on Friday. That was a great chat that we actually had with uh, Scott. I love having him on. He's brilliant. He, he's, he makes me actually look at my own life and look about how I'm going to move forward as well. So it's brilliant. It's it's really, really good. Great start yeah. to a, a weekend. Great start yeah, to a weekend. He, he's a wonderful man. He you know, when he said we find the true version of ourselves when we're at rock bottom or when we're at bottom. And and he just says things that really resonate. And then he was talking about, you know, why we go from innocent childhood to an awakening in later life. And in the middle, we misplace our identity. And if only people could teach you this stuff when you're young, you know, you you, you wouldn't you wouldn't make the mistakes you and I have made, Joe. <laughs> mistakes? No, we never make mistakes. We just learn, learn the wisdom, the wisdom from it all. But I know what what's now we uh, we are moving into the summer as well. And, you know, hopefully there's been mistakes made that hopefully may be unwritten in our country. But, but yes, yes. Today now um, we have our showcase our business showcase, and we have Caroline Gleason on from Occupop. Uh, Caroline, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Joe. How are you? It is great to have you on as our business showcase this week. You're a recruitment agency, is that correct? Not quite. So we're a recruitment software. So essentially, Occupop is a recruitment software for SMBs. And what the software is, is an end-to-end recruitment solution for companies so, you know, anyone that's looking to recruit would use our software from, you know, um, engaging talent, managing them through the recruitment process right through to hire. So it's it's a very cost effective alternative to agency recruitment. Um, so, and it, sorry, go on. No. So is, is it a case of, you know, where we go through, uh, where we don't go through, where we used to go through those CVs and you know, is it now sort of automating a lot of it as well? So it's online instead of people filling in documents, filling in information, and then it's sending them down different funnels to actually then find the right candidates. Is that what it would be? Essentially, yeah. There, it, It's really, I suppose, about reducing a lot of the administration and recruitment so that hiring managers can spend more time within the process actually spending time with the candidates and finding the right hire for their business 
And there are lots of great features to enable that. I love the name. You're saying it's a, it's two words, occupation and population. It's a cool name. And and so in terms of, I know some industries, some of the you know social talent in Dublin is already looking forward to the future to see you know what recruiters need to be looking for in candidates around cohesion, inclusion, all this sort of stuff. What, are you see? Do you see trends in the industry, or or do you see? challenges in industry and if so does that get built into the way you plan your software or you're planning further versions to talk us through how you're looking at the future yeah absolutely that's a it's a great question so you know, like we would try and keep our finger on the buzzer when it comes to trends and, and how we really track trends would be through you know a combination of looking at you know metrics and activity on our software itself and then you know, looking at the market and talking to our customers um, what are they saying? What are they, you know, finding challenging? Um, certainly the pandemic turned everything on its head. And, you know, overnight, everyone had to, uh, you know, work from home where they could and everything went online. So Occupop was in a really good position in that it facilitates online recruitment. You can log in from anywhere and continue to manage your recruitment process Um so certainly with the shift in the pandemic, we have seen, you know, the emphasis on everything being online um, and being able to, you know, facilitate um, the process uh, being online. And, um, you know, other big trends that we're seeing, there's there's quite a big emphasis at the moment on diversity and inclusion. And yeah. um, so, you know, when you think about forward thinking, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of research at the moment with our customers and um, with our development team on how we can create features to enable companies to reach better levels of diversity and inclusion within their recruitment process. You need to recruit old guys like Joe and me. <laughs> get old. Get away, will you? Old. There's one thing, do you know, there's one thing that when you mention to people about recruitment agencies, um, they, a lot of people think recruitment agencies are like used car salespeople. You know, they're trying to sometimes fit square hole square pegs into round holes because the the recruiter is only thinking about the money and you know uh are with your software are you you're really sort of helping the end user so the employer the more than the recruiter recruiter i can't even say it now or are you helping both sides actually that's a great point. And I used to work in agency recruitment myself, as did the co-founder. And it was actually working as an agency recruiter and, you know, certainly facing those connotations that, you know, it was really through those challenges and those pains that we came up with the idea for, you know, building this company. And, you know, our whole mission is to make recruiting easy. And I would say everything we do um, with the product, every feature we build is has that goal in mind. Like we, we like to kind of call our software beautifully simple um, so that it's very effective, but very simple and easy to use. Um, and everything we do is in that direction. You know, our, our customers are hiring managers, companies themselves, recruiting staff for their, for their own organizations. However, we do have agencies acting as suppliers on our software. So, for example, if a company wants to work with an agent, they can engage them on our platform as well. So we are also facilitating that relationship and you know making that relationship, I suppose, easier to build, you know, for both parties. So I would say certainly the, the benefits are um, for the customer, they're making not only savings on, on their recruitment budget, but on the, the time to hire and how easy it is to collaborate. Um, but as well, recruiters are getting a higher level of engagement with companies that do want to work with them as well. I'll, I'll ask you two questions here. What has it been like over the last five years for you and what is the next 12 months going to be like? like it's certainly been a roller coaster. Um, you know, we actually just turned, um, uh, Occupop is my very first baby, my oldest baby, which is now five. So, um, yeah, that was a huge milestone. And, and certainly we were looking at all that we've achieved in those years. And we were, you know, we were humbled by it. We never thought we'd get to this point. You know, were operating um, in six plus countries. We have a team of 15, an absolutely wonderful team, um, you know, and, and, and a huge um, book of amazing customers. So that's been a huge achievement, but certainly it's it's been hard work. 
Um, and uh, it's been challenging. Uh, perseverance definitely has been key. Um, certainly for the next 12 months, you know, we have a big focus on the product and really kind of, um, I suppose, enhancing some of our existing features, making them even more simple to use and and uh, better for the user. And also we have some really exciting features that we're implementing into the software and we're very focused on um, the core markets that we're growing in, which would be Ireland, UK and USA. What advice would you give to a business that is starting up now who will be listening to this for your wisdom? Well, that's the, the million dollar question. Um, I suppose there, there's, there, there's, there's a lot of resources out there. I got some advice very early on that always kind of stuck with me. Um, and it was actually from my father. And he said, you know, I was having a really bad day and I was finding you know, this really challenging. He said, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And that really just kind of stuck with me. And you know, when we've had our low points, I've just kind of reminded myself of that. And like, this, this is why we're doing it. And um, you know, just persevered, really. That's it. You know, and, and in coaching, and Simon will agree that, you know, if running your own business was easy, we'd have no employees and everybody would be self-employed. So this is it, yeah. yeah. No, I think you got to, I call it the growth zone. You, It's very easy to stay lazy and stay in your comfort zone, but to grow, you've got to go through two other zones. You've got to go from comfort through fear, learning, and then grow. There's no shortcut, I don't think. I haven't come across it from comfort to growth. You have to go through that. You'd Simon. be a very rich person if you found that shortcut, I think. Simon, there is a shortcut. There is a shortcut. What is and it? The shortcut is hiring someone who has walked the path and help you then not fall into those big holes that will actually help you navigate around them. So that is great advice and to do that <laughs> i actually have found uh you know reaching out to people in link on linkedin and you know asking their advice people are so willing to share you know their journey with you and it's certainly been a great source of of advice for us over the years as well tell me if people want to reach out to yourselves uh want to check out your software to help them within the recruitment process where can they locate yourselves Yep. So we're occupop.com. That's O-C-C-U-P-O-P.com. Um, or if they want to email, they can email info at occupop.com. Uh, lots of resources on the website and we'd be only more than happy to hear you know, from anyone. Even if you're wondering, is this right for you? You know, we can have a chat and, and discuss that further. And you are on LinkedIn as well yourself personally? I absolutely am on LinkedIn. And if anyone wants to touch base with me there, even if they're thinking about starting up a business and, you know, want to ask me questions, I'm more than happy to, to respond and have that chat. Brilliant. Caroline Gleason, thanks for coming on.